Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. What's going on, guys? Thank you. Appreciate it. How about them Broncos, as Jimmy Johnson used to say? I just felt, you know, we had the right stuff to give ourselves a chance. We just had to do it the right way, call it the right way, which I'm in charge of. So, you know, that's going to be taken care of. And um, um, I just felt okay about it. I mean, I don't want to say good about it. You know, they've teams just haven't played them the right way. They are super talented, and they may score 35 points the rest of the season in every game, okay, because they're really good. Okay, they got talent at every position. You know, how many times did we come close to sacking Prescott today and we don't get him down? You know, you, that's talent. You know, that's not luck. That's talent, and he has it. And They're a great team, and I don't expect them to lose many more games. Wow, Vic Fangio, John, right? So the Broncos come out. They punk the Cowboys, run up a 30 to nothing lead, hold Dallas scoreless until late in the fourth quarter, something I did not think any defense could do. That Dallas team was on fire with all their weapons and Dak Prescott and their offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. They've been tearing the league up. I did not think that, the, that any team, let alone the Broncos, would be leading 30 to nothing with five minutes left. What a performance. But wow, Vic Fangio, the finger-wagging and ass-shaking by the head coach after that game. It was a little much, wasn't it, John? Like, he was really letting Dallas and the whole NFL, kind of like, how's it taste, NFL? I, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I, I have no problem with it. I love the finger-wagging. I love the passion in the game, the first, fourth, and one, the Cowboys. They went for it on fourth down four different times, and the Broncos stuffed them all four times. The first time they did it, the Fox cameras zoomed in on Vic Fangio, and he just <laughs> like a, a fist pump and yep, uh, some yep. choice words. And I think I think more than a message to the Cowboys, a message to the NFL, I think it was a message to you and me and people in Denver, people trying to run him out of town like, guys, I got this under control. Like the balls don't always bounce our way, but we have the talent. We have the potential. This is what we're capable of. So give me some credit. And I'm giving him some credit. Like I was wrong. I have to admit that. Like I was ready to say. The Broncos season is over. I was saying Vic Fangio, if the defense is in an order, like that's his thing. If he can't get that in order, why is he even here? And he comes out and says, this is why I'm here. And I, I, I like it. I've got no problem with his passion, his finger wagging. I like seeing that from him. It's, a, it's an apology episode, right? we got to apologize to Vic Fangio and the Broncos because we talked about last week how they waved the white flag when they moved on for Von Miller. And that, that wasn't the case. They came out inspired and fired up and they caught Dallas napping right I don't think there's any doubt about it they caught Dallas from the jump and just pummeled them and it was a it was a great performance but come on Vic okay here's my take on Vic Fangio John right the passion I mean if you want me to take you seriously and you know just like the NFL in general to take you seriously Vic then get into your lab and draw something up to beat the teams that actually matter like the Ravens and the Steelers and the Raiders and the Browns your four straight losses, John, to the AFC teams that are still ahead of you in the standings. I mean, yeah, I love that emotion. The fist pump, I mean, that was awesome. It's great to see from him. He's kind of a stoic guy over there, right? But where was that fist pump? Where was that emotion in Cleveland when the replacements over there, you know, Case Keenum, Dearness Johnson, and Keanu Reeves, right? The replacements. With that thing, when you couldn't, you couldn't draw something up 
and he even he even said in this presser after the game, John, he, he mocked the media for calling the backups. He said so-called backups. Okay, well, if they're so-called backups, and you, sh- you should have been able to draw something up with those crappy inside linebackers you had to, to stop Dearness Johnson from plowing right through the teeth of your defense, right? Like, where was the fist pump and the emotion there in that game? That game matters way more than the Dallas game. So that's where I'm at with Fangio. It's like, all right, I get it. You're, you're taking your victory lap. That's fine. But he, there was just something there, man. There was like a look on it. There was a look in his face. He starts his presser out being like, how about them Broncos, as Jimmy Johnson would say? I mean, he had, a, he had an itch to scratch, John. It was amazing. But I'm just like, hey, Vic, you beat a team from the NFC. Will you just, will you just let off a little bit, man? I think you you got to give him a little bit more credit than that. It's not just a team from the NFC. The Cowboys had, what, one loss going into that. Their offense was so good. Yep, Nobody, yep, yep. including us, expected it to be a close game, but we expected it to be the other way. We thought the Broncos were going to get the brakes beat off of them. So, I, I, like I said, I think he's got every reason to gloat. The problem is now you got to follow it up. They, this can't just be a one-and-done fluke performance. Like on Sunday, there was a couple of just weird things happened in the NFL, and it makes me a little worried, like, is that just kind of a thing that came out of nowhere and we're not going to see these Broncos the rest of the season? Like, I hope not. I hope not. But it, it's it's a possibility. But going back, uh, I want to push back a little bit on you saying the Browns game actually matters and the Cowboys, like, a win's a win. Like, yes, for the playoffs, a win versus an AFC team is uh, more valuable for playoff standing than Thank versus you. the NFC. That's but, the point, John. But a win is a win. Like, it's better. it's better to win now then loot drop yet another game and like the browns game i i know it's an excuse but like fanjo does have a little bit of an excuse they had a practice squad linebacker and a linebacker who's a coverage guy who was never supposed to start those are their two inside linebackers and they just could not plug holes against one of the best running teams in the nfl so that was just a mess and since then the run defense and their specifically their inside linebackers They've upgraded them, and that's somewhat out of Fangio's control. Like, he doesn't build the roster, so he can only work with what he has to work with. So I, I cut him a little slack for the Browns game, but I get what you're saying. That's a huge blown opportunity because if you win that Browns game and then you win this Cowboys game, you're in first place in the AFC West right now, which sounds crazy for that? the way we were talking about yeah. the team last week. Can you believe it? So I understand, like, I get and I agree that was a blown opportunity. We should have t- kicked into gear a little bit sooner the last few weeks leading up to this game. But, you know, it's better late than never. Now they just got to keep it up. Yeah, I don't mean to downplay the win over an NFC, legit NFC contender in their building. Like, it was a great win. It was an excellent win. I'm just pushing, I'm just giving Fangio some crap about the ass wagging, right? Like, just give it a rest, Vic. Oh, my God. You tone it down a little bit. But here's, like, here's a real take about this game. You're inside linebackers, right? Uh, the rookie, Baron Browning, really good. And they brought in Kenny Young. You know, we did a whole episode last week about Vaughn Miller, the Broncos selling him. It felt like they were waving the white flag, you know, just based on where the team was at that point, how poorly they were playing. Hard to feel really great after that Washington football team win, right? But they add Kenny Young, kind of a sneaky little move because, John, you love this player, right? He's been playing really well for them. Yeah, he's been fantastic. And it's a little tricky because he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. I don't know if they're going to be able to resign him or not, but if they keep up these strong performances and he keeps playing well and they're at least in playoff contention, like maybe they'll be able to bring him back. I think Kenny Young long-term could be an upgrade over both Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell, specifically in Vic Fangio's defense. I think he's just, he flies around the way he plays football. I think he's a perfect fit. 
I think, honestly, like, they traded for him because they were desperate after losing losing both their starters. But honestly, I feel like it kind of ended up being an upgrade for them when they're just trying to grab somebody. And obviously, it wasn't just anybody. Like, they do their scouting. They know who they like. But they really flipped him for uh, – they got him for a late-round pick. And I'm, I'm just hoping that it's not just a one-year rental because I love his talent. And the same with Baron Browning. You just mentioned him. He's a third-round pick. But in minicamp, he got hurt. In training camp, he got hurt. And preseason, he was banged up. The first half of the year, he was banged up. For the Browns game, he was out with a concussion. So he just had all his stuff piling up. He just could not get on the field. And when he did get on the field, because he was so behind, he had missed so much practice, they only played him on special teams. But after that Browns game, after he got cleared from concussion protocol, again, they were desperate. So even though he had like missed uh, a bunch of on-field defensive practice, they just threw him in there. And he stepped up and he answered the bell. And then on the Cowboys, in the Cowboys game again, him and Kenny Young, I thought they were such good linebackers. And now Baron Browning, like, I think he could be an upgrade over Josie Jewel and Alexander Johnson. Both Jewel and Johnson are going to be free agents in the offseason. The Broncos might try to bring back one or two of them just because it's nice to have depth. But honestly, long term, and maybe this is just too reactionary, I'm just reacting to just a two-week sample size getting ahead of myself, but really... Long term, I think with Browning and Young, I think their inside linebackers, those those could be their guys for years going forward. If again they're able to resign Young, and honestly, it's kind of a it could end up being like a huge silver lining for the Broncos. Like you never want to lose two key starters on defense, but if that happens and you end up with two guys that are better, like how often does that happen? And so those two guys, they didn't play in the Browns game, and we keep going back to that Cleveland game. But I just think it's the anomaly that you you can you can see how much of a difference just two inside linebackers and how talented they are, how much of a difference they can make in a game. So like, I really loved seeing that from the defense, the defense overall, like Kyle Fuller, he, he had been benched. He played like two snaps. Then he played no snaps and he played no snaps for like three weeks in a row. He was a bench. We were talking about at the trade deadline. Would they trade him? Would anybody even want to trade for him? He balled out. And then yeah, big Kyle turn, like, out of nowhere. And not only did he ball out, he was playing in the slot because of injuries at cornerback. He's never played in the slot before, never done it. And he played so well. And Fangio was just glowing about him. And uh, he's just so happy with him. And now I think Kyle Fuller, he may stay in the slot now going forward for them because he played so well there. So that it's huge to see a guy get in a slump and then get another opportunity and take advantage of it and bounce back like that. That is awesome for them. And Part of the reason uh, Fuller was on the field this week is because Pat Sertan got hurt. And we're recording this on Tuesday. We don't really know the severity of it yet. Um, it sounds like it definitely could have been worse. Fangio said he doesn't think it was season-ending, but we don't really know a ton of details besides that. So hopefully, if he does miss a couple games, it's just a handful. It doesn't sound like it's serious, serious, but we we don't really know the severity of it yet. But hopefully, he's going to be back before too long. But they do got... Uh, Michael O.J. Moody at some point he's going to be coming back Essing Bassey at some point he's coming back Duke Dawson just came back uh, Mike Ford just came back so they've got they've got guys at corner so I think their depth is okay still especially because with Fuller playing so well that's awesome to see and then like it was their first game on defense without Von Miller and it was like no Von Miller no problem and like it just it sounds crazy to say something like that but Jonathan Cooper like he's a seventh round pick and he was getting pressure after pressure, and he had two sacks. And I know we can't expect him to do that every week, but just to see a seventh-round pick, he's on the field because, one, you traded Von Miller, two, Bradley Chubbs on injured reserve, and three, Malik Reed, 
he was out because of a hip injury. So your top three pass rushers are out and your seventh round pick goes in and records two sacks. Like that's just awesome. Like not just like, again, we can't expect him to do that every week, but at the very least, he's going to be a real nice rotational depth guy because Reed should be back maybe this week and Chubb should be back after the bye. So when you, when you trade away Von Miller and you're still able to generate pressure off the edge like that, that's awesome. So I was so happy with the defense. Like you're saying, this is what we expected from them. Like we wanted them to be, we expected them to be like on paper, they look like they should be a top five squad and they finally delivered it on Sunday. Yeah, no doubt. And now we have to, a week after writing them off, John, we, we had the Broncos just done, cooked after they trade Von Miller. And now we reset it a week later after this win over the Cowboys. And we got to say, are the Broncos right back in the playoff hunt? They're certainly right in the mix in the AFC West. So let's reset the AFC playoff pitcher right after this. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Welcome to week 10 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays as we approach the playoff push. It hasn't been pretty since week one for Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence in his debut season but he has a chance for redemption against the Indianapolis Colts in Week 10. Yes, he has no more than one passing touchdown in each game since Week 1, and his weapons are suspect, but the Colts' offense is doing enough to force him into a pass-happy script. The Colts have given up huge numbers to quarterbacks in 2021, including a league-high 23 touchdown passes. Last week, even the Jets were able to shred this group through the air. Only one team has yielded more fantasy points per game, and this is the third-best opponent to face for yardage. Playing Lawrence is risky, but the matchup is brilliant. Washington football team running back J.D. McKissick versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On the ground, this matchup is awful. Both teams return from their bye, but a common byproduct of being such a stout run defense is a team usually gives up serious volume to pass-catching backs. In the last five weeks, this defense ranks fifth in receptions allowed per game to the position. A dozen teams have yielded more aerial yards per game in that time frame, and three touchdowns over the last 29 receptions faced by running backs makes a pretty compelling case to play McKissick. He's a sound RB2 in PPR this week. Wide receiver Russell Gage, Atlanta Falcons at Dallas Cowboys. Only 11 teams have given up more catches per game than the Cowboys to wide receivers in the last five weeks, and this is the third highest rate for touchdowns against by the position. Dallas's offense is poised to rebound after what we saw last week, which should promote more passing by Atlanta. The matchup profiles for a stronger day by Gage than it does for Titan Kyle Pitts, and while Atlanta's de facto wide receiver one is risky business and fantasy, he is coming off an eight-target game and has scored at least 13.4 PPR points in two of his last three outings. Don't expect a huge day, but there's definite wide receiver three utility here in PPR scoring. Minnesota Vikings tight end Tyler Conklin at Los Angeles Chargers. He's a fine fantasy play in Week 10 as the Bolts have given up the third most yards per game to tight ends, 77, since Week 4 on the 18th most catches. A touchdown every 9.5 receptions sits as the 10th highest frequency against. One caveat here, the health of Los Angeles cornerbacks. In the past few weeks, injuries have enabled opposing wide receivers to have some fun against this defense that's otherwise strong against the position, and Minnesota has obviously very capable wideouts on the outside. That could work against Conklin. However, it also enables him to draw single coverage and roam freely. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado.
All right, John, resetting the AFC playoff picture. It's really wild, right? There is nine teams. The Broncos are one of nine that have five wins right now. And that includes everyone in the AFC West. They all have five wins. They're all tied in the win column, which is bizarre. Have you seen anything like that before? Like, that's crazy. No, not that I can recall off the top yeah. of my head. Yeah, This no. late in the year. Yeah, so you got the Titans at 7-2. and two. They've won five straight since losing to the Jets. So that really fired them up, John, because they've beaten the Bills, Chiefs, Colts, and Rams. But the Titans, you got to look at them a little bit differently without Derrick Henry, right? So that's, yeah, big that's, time. that's a team we got to keep an eye on. The Ravens, they're 6-2 and two somehow, right? I mean, they miracle field goal to beat the Lions. Carson Wentz handed them one. They were down 24-10 to 10 to the Vikings. And before coming back, they're a weird team, Baltimore. I don't think, I mean... Everyone's going to pump them up as the best team in the AFC, and I'm not buying it, the Ravens. The Bills, uh, they're, they've been my team, John, but they're dead to me now because they were my survivor pick, and they ruined my survivor <laughs> chances. Losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars, 9-6. to six, What? Huh? Huh? What? So the Bill, if you can lose to the Jaguars, then you, you must be out, right? The Raiders, they're melting down in front of our eyes, right? The Raiders are. The Steelers, I mean, they did beat the, the Bears, and they're 5-3, and three, and they had the Lions coming up, so they're a team to watch, but... I think the refs kind of helped them win that game against the Bears. They got lucky last night in that Monday night game. The, the Steelers it's did. terrible officiating. Yeah, that was bad. I didn't even see all the game, but I saw the clips on Twitter, and it was just outrageous. We'll get to the Chargers. We'll get to them here coming up because Typico has them winning the division right now. The best odds at plus 130. We'll talk about that. It brings me to the Patriots. Wait, my Patriots? No, John. No, 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 no. I thought I could just blissfully watch my Patriots this year with zero expectations, and all of a sudden they're 5-4. and four. They've won three straight. The Bills lost to the Jaguars, and we're half a game out of the first place in the AFC East, so now I have to invest in the Patriots. I'm actually not happy about this. It was supposed to be, I was supposed to take this year off and just enjoy Mac Jones, and, and now I have to invest myself because the Patriots are in a similar spot as the Broncos. They're in it. Uh, which brings us to the AFC West, right? The Chiefs, something's wrong with the Chiefs. I don't know what's going on with the Chiefs, but there's something wrong with them. Uh, the Chargers, they're 5-3, and three, but I don't want to believe in them. And again, the Raiders, like, how do you keep overcoming all this crap that keeps happening to them. This What a month the Raiders have had, and that's not in a good way. It brings us to the Broncos, right? They're right in the middle of this, of this thing, John, and their division especially feels wide open, but isn't the entire conference wide open right now? Yeah, it, it sure seems like it. And who would have thought, like last week when we were talking about the Broncos, the state of the team, like I thought their season was done for sure. Same. And now this week, you just rattled off some of the records only two teams in the AFC have more wins than the Broncos. Like, what in the world? Like, how is that even possible? Like, I think of the Broncos, at least last week I did, as if they were like two and seven. Like, that's what it felt like. It felt like they were that bad of a team. And they're still only one game above 500. But with, with the way the AFC has been shaken out, with the way the other teams have been dropping games, like, they're legitimately still there. And they got to take advantage of it. There's no guarantee they will, but they sure have a chance an opportunity to and again we keep harper on this but like if you won that browns game like not only are you in the hunt but you're in the playoffs right now like you're leading the afc west so that's a big bummer but like you were mentioning like the afc west truly is wide open and like the chiefs even though they've beat the broncos like what 10 or 11 times in a row like they haven't beaten them the broncos haven't beaten kansas city since peyton manning was their quarterback so it's been bad but like you said the chiefs they're so weird this year. Like Patrick Mahomes, like I think some of his luck in his earlier years, he had so many dropped interceptions and just everything bounced their way. I think some of that is bouncing back the other way now. And they just, I don't know, there's some weird problems they're having. So 
I feel like of all the years for the Broncos to snap their losing streak against Kansas City, this is the year. Like, especially when they play them in Denver, that's their season finale. Like, who knows what AFC West implications will be on the line in that game. But I just, I really feel like they're going to have a shot against Kansas City, especially if Fangio is getting the defense fired up and wants to go out there and shut down Mahomes like they just shut down Dak Prescott. Like, the Broncos, they've lost to the Chiefs, but in the Fangio era, a lot of their games have been, like, close, at least, like, relatively close. Like, the Broncos have had a chance, and they've done a decent job containing Mahomes in most of those games. So if they step it up a little bit and Mahomes, if his slump continues a little bit, like, you think they have a shot. And then, like you just mentioned, the Raiders, they're just a mess. Like, in a way, I kind of feel bad for them. It's hard to, as a Broncos fan, because they're, like, Denver's arch rival going back to 1960. But it's just, I, I think the Raiders are a mess. And again, like, nothing's guaranteed, but the Broncos sure have a legitimate shot. They do. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's like, you're absolutely right. Like, we kind of know what's going on with the Chiefs, right? And without getting into the X's and O's too much, John, because you know, you know, I'm not that smart. Uh, but it's like the, the same thing the Jags did to the Bills, right? It's like the two deep safeties, pinning those safeties backs, taking away the big plays and playing zone underneath and just making Josh Allen and making Patrick Mahomes do 12 to 15 play drives down the field. They don't want to play that way. They just don't. And oh, by the way, they both, both of those teams, the Bills and the Chiefs, have really bad offensive lines right now and can't run the ball. So when you can't run the ball and you can't block, you can play zone and put two safeties back there and take away the deep stuff and crowd the middle of the field and get pressure with four guys. And all of a sudden, it's hard, right? And we're seeing it. Like Patrick Mahomes' average yards per attempt is way down. It's like crazy down. The Chiefs are very vulnerable right now and they can't stop anybody on defense. So it's really the Chargers, right? That's the team that the team, the Chargers are the team that's kind of it's hard to figure out that team right I mean they got a great quarterback new head coach but I feel like they could lose any game they play they could also win any game they play they're they're a hard team to to figure out you look at the Broncos here I really feel like we got to look at this and like you know break down their schedule in little thirds and I think this first third of it is the key right I mean you got Philly coming up you're gonna be favored in that game you're at home you just got to win that game and we'll get into it a little bit more in depth here coming up but you have the Eagles at home. Then you have a bye week. You get rested up and get healthy and prepare to play the Chargers at home and then go to Kansas City. That stretch, right? Eagles, home, winnable game, bye, and then Chargers home, Kansas City. This is going to define their actual chances, right? We can Vic Fangio can wave his ass at us and wave his finger at us and wag his finger, John, and say, oh, look at us. I'm calling the plays. Look what happens. I'm shutting down Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott, right? He could do all that, all he wants. But these are the games that's going to define the season for the Broncos. It's going to be, can you beat a bad Eagles team at home when you're favored? And then coming out of the bye, can you beat these two division teams that are ripe for the picking? If the Broncos can do that, they're going to be in the driver's seat, believe it or not. And then when we get on this show, we're going to be just singing a completely different tune right now. I think the jury's still out, but this little stretch here coming up, it's the whole season. Oh yeah, big time. I completely agree. I think Sunday is the starting point because it's, a winnable game, you've got to win your winnable games. Just like that stupid Browns game. I'm sorry for harping again, but like, <laughs> I'm how obsessed much better position would they be? Like, you can't afford to drop this Eagles game because you're playing at home. The Eagles haven't been playing well. You got it. When you have a game like that on your schedule, like, you, you can't take it for granted. They got to get business done. And then, like you said, you get rested up, you get recovered in your bye week. Then you get a home division game. Like, at home, you've got to win at home. And then even if they go to Kansas City and lose, 
if you just beat the Eagles, if you've just got a division win against the Chargers, if you lose to the Chiefs, like that's not necessarily going to sink you. So I, I'm thinking coming, approaching these next three, four weeks, like if they get two more wins in their next three games, I think that's satisfactory. Not that you like aim to lose or anything, but like I'm not going to be freaking out if they go to Kansas City and lose. Yep. But, you know, if they beat the Chargers at home, if they beat a winnable Eagles team, I think they're going to be in pretty good shape. I agree with you because coming out of, even if you lose at Kansas City, say you beat the Eagles, beat the Chargers, come out of Kansas City, back-to-back home games, Lions and Bengals, right? I mean, I think the Bengals, a couple weeks ago, we were really, I mean, I was high on that team a couple weeks ago. I'm like, ooh, man, this team's really fun. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, you know, Joe Mixon, they have a lot of good young talent. Like, this is a team, and their defense is playing well. This is a team we can really get behind. Well, then they lost to the Jets and it ruined them, right? They just, they can't wipe the Jets off of them. And now it kind of feels like they fall in the five and four, and it kind of feels like eh, so much for that. It was fun while it lasted. It feels like that's a fun team that's still a year away, the Bengals. And, you know, you got some other teams in the AFC that are weird, like the Colts, four and five. We'll see, right? The jury's still out on the Colts. Who knows? The Browns, most unpredictable team in the world, right? Like every time they're underdogs, they dominate. And when they're favored, they lose. It's like, who can figure out the Browns? Not me. So it's just so unpredictable. But you come out of that Kansas City week, Back-to-back home games, Lions, Bengals. I mean, it's all laid out right in front of you here. This stretch for the Broncos. I mean, we could in a couple weeks we could really be talking about the Broncos being in the playoffs and making some noise. So, how fun oh my is goodness, that? I loved I loved the sound of that. Ryan. Only, like, only in the like, NFL. Going John. back to how I felt last week, like yeah, I literally with you, man. literally only... thought their season was done, and now you're saying we could literally be realistically talking about them in the playoffs. Like that's just crazy. It's so. It's so exciting. I just don't want to get my hopes up too much and then fall back to earth. You got to do you know, it. As a fan, as a fan, you can't help it. That's that's NFL football. Yeah. No, only in the NFL could this happen. And you have to do it, John. Just like me with my Patriots, you have to now fully invest have for to be a playoff run. Yep. You have, to, you have to make yourself invest. No and... more watching the draft picks. Exactly. Yeah. No more just blissfully watching the games and, oh, it's Teddy Bridgewater. And, oh, we're, it's a bridge year. And we don't have our head, our real head coach yet. There's going to be a lot of changes next year. Just let's, let's just enjoy football. Nope, nope. Now you have to invest because you might have a playoff team. And it, it's true. But it does start with this game against the Eagles, right? So let's get into that matchup and look at the spread on the Typico app and uh, make our predictions. We'll do that right after this. This is the Typico Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicap and homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday night football matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Chiefs favored minus two and a half. Their money line is minus 145, so Raiders are plus 120 to win that game outright. The totals 51 and a half. I'm on the Raiders plus two and a half. Um, I think we get some value after they had an absolutely pathetic performance at the New York Giants last week, and I don't think enough is being made of the struggles of the Kansas City offense and the mediocrity or just terribleness of their defense. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? See, I'm on the under. The public is on the over. The cash is on the under. I got Chiefs and Raiders both 15th and 16th in points per game. I'm going under 52 and a half. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. 
See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, John. Broncos home against the Eagles coming off that big win over the Cowboys. They have another NFC East team, right? Trying to sweep the NFC East. That's a pretty neat trick for the Broncos. They have a chance to do it. And I got to like their chances against the Eagles. The Eagles aren't that good. The Chargers had a pretty competitive game with them last week, but uh, pulled it out in the end. Uh, what's your leadoff take on this matchup? Broncos, two-and-a-half-point favorites on Tipico. Yeah, I think I picked the Broncos to win by a field goal. I think they better be able to win by a field goal. Playing them at home when the Eagles... Like, they played the Chargers close, but that was in Philly. Like, playing in Denver versus in Philly, that's a huge difference. And I think on defense for the Broncos, I think it's going to come down to Jalen Hurts because the Eagles... They're just they're kind of so so running the ball. I'm just I'm not sold on their running game. I think the Broncos are going to be able to handle the running game, especially after they just shut down Ezekiel Elliott. Like the Broncos have shown before that they can stop a running game. And then if the ball, if the game is in Jalen Hurts' hands, like I like him just fine. But I feel like he's the kind of quarterback like Fangio when he plays young quarterbacks. It seems like he always gives them trouble. And if Jalen Hurts has to go win the game for the Eagles, I'm picking the Broncos' defense. Like, I'm picking their secondary. I'm picking their pass rush, even without Von Miller, after they were just harassing Dak Prescott so much. Like, they, they got to contain Hurts because he is, if he gets around the edge, he can run and he can keep plays alive. So they got to be able to contain him. But I just, I think if it comes down to the Eagles having to throw, I pick the Broncos' defense. And on the Broncos' offense, the Eagles also, they've got some good pass rushers, but like, I just said uh, earlier in the pod, like the Broncos, they don't want to throw the ball to win. That's not their formula. Like, And the Eagles linebackers haven't been very good defending the run. They haven't been that great against the pass either. But I just think the middle of Philly's defense, I think, is somewhat of a weakness. And you got two good backs, run, 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 in a home game, eat up the clock, just like they ate up the clock against the Cowboys. And I think so long as they don't let Jalen Hurts run over him, I don't think he's throwing over him. I, I'm not sold on their run game against the Broncos' run defense. So what a flip this is, but I'm feeling confident about the Broncos this week. I believe all your commentary right there, John. I have to believe in Vic Fangio. He's he's made me a believer. He's talking all that smack, right? So now you got to – you can't – Now you got to deliver. Yeah. Back you, it up. You can't do that to the Cowboys. Talk smack, and everybody's been talking crap, right? The players, the coach, the fans, everybody. It's been a big, you know, it's been a big finger-wagging session all week, and that's fine. But you can't do that and then lose to Philadelphia at home yep. as a favorite. You just can't. At two and a half, I'm backing them in this game. And I would also say I'm taking the under as well. 44 and a half is the total. I'm taking the under. I think the Broncos should be able to shut down the Eagles. They don't. Who won the Eagles scare you, right? It's not Jalen Hurts. It's not Boston Scott and whoever else they're handing the ball to. Jordan Howard, right? He was yeah, that, his name slipped my mind. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not worried about him. No. Now he's going to try to prove me wrong but because <laughs> they he don't listen specifically to this podcast but i don't think he's running down the broncos throat no receivers that i'm really worried about over there the tight end dallas goddard he's okay uh, but th- this is not an eagles team that that scares you on offense you nailed it john their strength is very clear it's their pass rush that's been their strength neutralize the pass rush figure that thing out and you've got the game make sure their pass rush doesn't blow up the game and you should be fine so you know fangio could draw it up against kellen moore and the cowboys he should be able to draw it up against this team so yeah, I'm taking the Broncos, and I'm, I'm li- I like the under too at 44 and a half. You you down with that too? Yeah, I would also predict it to be lower than that because the Broncos games, even the games they've won, they've been relatively like they just blew out the Cowboys. But like even earlier in the year when they 
beat up the Jags and the Jets. Like the Broncos didn't even hit 30 in that. So the Broncos can have a really good game and shut down an offense, but not light up the scoreboard. So I, I definitely think the Eagles aren't scoring a lot. Even if the Broncos play well, I'm not expecting them to, you know, if they hit 30, they're not hitting much more than it. So I'm with you that I could definitely see it being under. Yeah, I took the L last week, John. I uh, the wait, I did wager on the game against the Cowboys, and the wager I made was the over. I thought the Cowboys were going to hang some points on the Broncos, and I thought the Broncos would score too. Didn't two. we all? Yeah, I, I took the over, and I was pretty confident about it. I think it was like 50, settled at like around 50. Took the over, and boy, man, I was wrong. I was wrong. Didn't quite get there. Cowboys tried in garbage time. Didn't quite get there. Uh, but I think, you know, looking at the typical line here, minus 130 to bet the Broncos at minus two and a half on the spread, or you can just take the money line at minus 160. I might take the money line. Just take the money line. Uh, you know, I, I like the Broncos to win this game. Man, how my tone has changed, John. In one week, my tone has changed with the Broncos. Let's see it. Let's go into the bye week six and four and have a little season here. That'd be kind of fun. Yep, I'm on board. Let's let's go back it up, Fangio. Like I'm fine gloating this week, but as you said, now it's time to back it up. Let's yep. show that once in a one-game fluke. All aboard the bandwagon, right? It's been like an avalanche of, uh, of, of Broncos positivity and momentum this week, right? And uh, you can hear it in your voice, John, you know, throughout this podcast. You're just, you're just fired up. I can, I can feel it out of you. I can feel it out of, I can definitely hear it from Broncos country on Twitter. And I might have to go back and watch that Fangio presser one more time because, boy, was he giving everybody the business after that Cowboys game. If you have not seen the whole thing, please watch it. It was so good. It was so freaking good. Uh, so for John Heath, I'm Ryan O'Leary. That was a lot of fun this week, John. That was a fun podcast. We'll be back next week to try to do better. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.